I want to start out today's episode by keeping my word and giving credit where it's due. Elon Musk. I know we frequently give you a hard time because you make it increasingly difficult to like you. The crypto pumps, the Twitter trolling, the Tesla factories having allegations of discrimination, the broken promises, the child submarine, the potential SEC violations, the SNL appearance, uh, and just various other reasons have given us plenty to rally against over the years. But I did say that if you made good on your deal to provide Ukraine with the equipment needed in order to take advantage of Starlink Internet, I'd give you a heartfelt thank you and plenty of credit for coming through on a promise in a quick, well-executed manner. And you have earned that credit. The madman actually did it, and at a speed that is honestly baffling considering he was orchestrating an international shipment of goods directly into a war zone. I made no such promise, so... But you, you, you do have to hand it to him, folks. You do, under these circumstances, gotta hand it to him. Mm -hmm. It's actually really impressive. I mean, just look at the timeline on this. The Vice Prime Minister of Ukraine, Mykhailo Fedorov, tweets a request to Musk on February 26th, asking Musk to provide Starlink stations so that they can use his fancy space internet to stay connected. Musk replies a few hours later, indicating that the Starlink service is active in Ukraine and that he's going to send more terminals then a truck full of Starlink terminals shows up on the ground in Ukraine on the 28th of February, just two days after Musk promised to help out. I mean, look, we're by no means experts on the logistics of international shipping, especially within an active war zone. But it's legitimately impressive that a private company was able to orchestrate this delivery so quickly. I, yes, I'm, it was a very fast turnaround. I'm honestly impressed. Yeah. It's a good thing. It's good. This is good. It doesn't undo all the bad things, but it's a good thing. Yeah. We will we will make note of it on your permanent record, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll go over to the Musk board over there, and we'll give him a gold star. Yes. Yes. Uh, Amidst the sea of black stars. At your gulag sentencing hearing, this will be accounted for yes. and may impact your time <laughs> in the labor camp. Uh, now, Fedorov himself confirmed the arrival of what appears to be dozens of Starlink terminals via Twitter with a photo of the truck carrying the goods and the words, Starlink, here. Thanks, Elon Musk. So again, this is great. Elon Musk had the ability to help the world, and it was by utilizing something that his companies and his employees already had very specific knowledge of. Yeah. This is what they were doing, it's, it's and all the... they had to do was do that and help Ukraine. Few people are in a position where they see something like what's happening in Ukraine and actually have the skills and means to help them in a very specific material way yes. that they are in specific need of. I'm still convinced, though, that it was because that uh, vice prime minister, the, the initial tweet to Musk was so like backhanded, like, you're trying to send people to Mars, but we're suffering here. And so I think Musk took it as a challenge like, oh, yeah, well, fuck you. Here's some, here's some shit that's actually going to help you. But uh, whatever still, works. whatever works. Uh, and it looks like uh, this is going to go a long way when it comes to keeping Ukraine connected with the rest of the world. And we've seen some tweets that show the connection between Starlink and Ukrainians and the speed tests that they've screenshotted appear to show stable and, for what it's worth, impressively fast connections, all things considered. An engineer in Ukraine named Oleg Kutkov tweeted the following. Success. SpaceX Starlink is working in Kiev, Ukraine. The dishy was placed just outside my window, even without adjustments, with an image showing a 136 down, 23.9 upload. Uh, so way to go, Elon. That is that is usable internet. Yes. They can watch some YouTube videos while they're planning the logistics of uh, the war they're fighting. Yes. It. Well, I mean, among, <laughs> among many other things. But yeah. yes, look, 
I'm not going to try to damper this at all. This is a good thing. It is good. Yes. And if you're watching this from Ukraine using hello. Starlink technology, hello. Yes. Thank you, Elon Musk. But you should probably be worried about more important things than our stupid show. Anyway, so everybody I, needs to laugh. They do need to laugh. That's what they and they don't have Louis C.K. They don't. So they, need, they got they got us. When the world needed him most, he disappeared. He he pussied out. Wouldn't even go into an active war zone. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Anyway, aside from Elon Musk, it's also pretty impressive just how much the entire world just absolutely fucking hates Vladimir Putin for invading Ukraine. Of course, the sanctions were imposed last week, but then it was announced over the weekend that Russia would also be removed from SWIFT, which essentially operates as a global financial hub. It was there. Uh, it was literally the financial nuclear option, and it was an act. Yeah, it's uh, you can't really do much banking with out SWIFT. Mm-hmm. So Switzerland, a country that is historically neutral when it comes to things like this. They, to a fault almost. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. I think I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, not almost. Uh, to a fault. But yeah, they characteristically, uh, they don't get involved in other people's business, but uh, yeah, they joined the European Union in those sanctions against Russia and Putin. And even the movie studios are getting involved. Warner Brothers is blocking the release of the Batman in Russia. Take that, nerds. And Batman, I'm sure, is a huge character over there, and Russians are going to be pissed. Not that they aren't already, because it seems to me, and I'm sure to you, anyone that's seen any of the footage out of Russia, like, the citizens of Russia did not want this to happen. No, they, your average, I mean, it's it's the same way your average American, if they weren't fed just nonstop <laughs> corn syrup soaked propaganda in 2003 probably would have been very much against Iraq, especially if it meant like just the stock market crashing, the prices of goods going up, and being the, unable to transfer money anywhere, not being able to watch Batman. They would have been pissed. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, a lot of unnecessary deaths and uh, yeah. everything else that comes I mean, along. These are with their, their children. And, they, and you see these pictures and these videos of these uh, POWs. <laughs> captured. They're fucking children. They are teenagers. They don't know what the hell's going on. They can barely tie their shoes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so for the nerds, sorry, no Batman until Vladimir Putin's going to send those troops back home. And maybe to a lesser extent, the nerds will be also mad about Sony blocking the release of Morbius. I don't think anyone Uh, cares about that movie, but I could be wrong. (laughs) I've seen the trailer before. It was like before Jackass, and I was like, this looks like the worst thing ever. I, I, I don't even remember who's Morbius. Actually, Sony's going to threaten to release Morbius in Russia. Yeah. Uh, Paramount blocked the release of Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Disney is also blocking new releases of their films in the country, uh, starting with their latest from Pixar, Turning Red. Uh, I mean, listen, this puts every company that does international business in a bind. I get it. Like, yeah, they have to do something or they're going to look like if you accept any money from a country currently uh, in an aggressive, (laughs) offensive invasion of another there are ethical concerns, but it is funny. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> take that. You're not getting the new Pixar. I did see a tweet that was like, it was like about the Paramount stopping Sonic. And it was uh, like a quote tweet. And it was like, this might actually work. Vladimir Putin is a uh, is a big Sonic the Hedgehog fan. So, yeah, I uh, I believe he he is. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he, does, he doesn't have a cell phone. Barely Paramount's touches gonna... a computer, but he loves Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, Paramount's going to release it, but with the old teeth. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, what you get. You get um, you can get the new Sonic when you behave yourself. Exactly. Um, so YouTube started demonetizing channels on its platform that are run by Russian state media, 
with Google stating the following regarding that decision. In response to the war in Ukraine, we are pausing Google monetization of Russian state-funded media across our platforms. We're actively monitoring new developments and we'll take further steps if necessary. And uh, this obviously would have fallen a bit short of what many would deem appropriate considering that Russian state media would have still been completely free to disseminate con content. They just wouldn't be able to make any money off of it. Um, but Google actually did take things a, a step further on Tuesday of this week by outright banning channels like Russia Today and Sputnik. Because before it was just like, don't worry. Demonetized. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't think that matters to them. What matters is the propaganda. Yeah. I'm sure the money helps, but uh, yeah. Anyway, DirecTV seems to be doing a clean sweep of all their misinformation categories, announcing they'd be dropping One American News a few weeks back before all this, and yeah. now officially removing Russia Today from its lineup. Uh, effective immediately. Uh, Canadian cable TV stations have also pulled the channel from their lineups. Europe, the EU, announced a ban on all Russian state-backed channels. And, yeah. that, and that's like effective immediately. Just poof, gone. gone. Um, Visa and MasterCard also announced this week that they've both blocked Russian banks from their networks while also committing $2 million towards humanitarian relief funds for Ukraine. Uh, that's a pretty big one. It's like, and that's one where it's like, okay, also, it's probably bad that there's two companies that uh, are in charge of all uh, credit payments in the world. That's, But hey, this time, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. But hey, what about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin? Well, yeah. it appears as though cryptocurrency might be the one way that Russia can completely sidestep these sanctions because the entire point of crypto is that it's decentralized and has no authoritative body. Though there are a few exchanges who have committed to blocking specific accounts related to the sanctions, most notably Binance, while others and the crypto evangelists all grapple with the moral dilemma of attempting to remain neutral for the sake of the entire idea behind cryptocurrency. Yeah, it is uh, a strange uh, fight that's happening on Twitter when you go look at, I believe it was the CEO or founder of Kraken was just like, I'm only going to do it if there's a legal filing that says I have to. And then yeah. it's just a bunch of people being like, don't you dare. I will never use your platform again if you block any transfer of cryptocurrency to Russia or any Russians because the whole point is that this is decentralized. So doing anything to stop it ruins the entire but it's, aspect of but it. But it's not really. The blockchain's decentralized. All yeah, the, but all these companies all the are not. All exchanges, yeah. very much centralized. Uh, yeah. It's, I re I, side note, I read a really good article by a very smart person about what Web3 is and why they're skeptical of it. And it was just like, yeah, the, the whole idea of decentralization, we saw that with Web 1, and there's a natural uh, movement towards centralization because mm -hmm. people don't want to, like, host their own fucking email server at their house. They want someone else who's better at this to handle things for them. And that is all quickly happening in crypto, and it's very centralized with Binance and Crypto.com. Because and it's easy. Yes. And that's what humans yes. want. Yes, especially if this is, like, what we're going to be using as money. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyways, as far as uh, an update for what's going on in Ukraine as we speak, again, it would be impossible for us to maintain any kind of up-to-the-minute coverage of this because we're seeing everything the same way that you are. But the biggest update seems to be that Russia is attempting to close in on Kyiv and was, uh, as recently as Monday and Tuesday, actively bombing Kharkiv, a Ukrainian city close to the border of Russia. Yeah. Uh, though, anyways, everything we've seen online, uh, it appears as though Russia's troops on the ground uh, seem to be confused as to what they're even doing there. They, they sent the uh, the B squad. 
Yeah, or, or what they're even trying to accomplish. There's a lot of talk about they weren't aware. They they were they thought they were doing drills. The drills, and they're like, all right, go in. And like, I don't know how this is possible unless the three weeks or whatever that they were just across the border, like they didn't have access to the media. Well, like, and what media did they have access to? That was, I mean, even like the days before the actual invasion, Putin was like, no, we're we're calling them back. The drills are done. I guess. And so it's like, it well, just seems who, very strange that I'm pretty sure the Russian military are getting their news from one source. Yeah. So that's what. That's embarrassing. Look, they very could, out of the loop. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Yeah, that's. And oh. you see the videos of them being captured and they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Yeah. I'm completely, uh, you know, like it, it's weird. It's weird seeing it. It's all very strange. Um, since the invasion started, there have been multiple reports of captured Russian soldiers who claim to have no idea what's going on and also just little to no motivation to actually be there fighting for Putin. Um, the Russian people are also actively protesting the invasion on the streets of Russia, despite the very clear threat of arrest by their government. And even some of the wealthiest Russians have come out against this act of aggression. This is interesting. And it's almost uh, certainly because they're getting hit in the wallet because of all of this. Yeah, this is, uh, this is unusual. You, you got these oligarchs, uh, actually voicing a little bit of dissent. Probably very happy with, uh, the way things were going with their lives. And then, I mean, yeah, the situation was fucked, but it was fucked in their favor. Yeah. And now me reaping. Hell yeah. This rules. The entire world's focus is all, all about Russia right now. And, uh, ain't good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as for the Ukrainians on the front lines, a journalist for Reuters who's on the ground covering the war for the outlet did an AMA on Reddit on Tuesday. Here's some takeaways from that. Uh, so morale is very high amongst Ukraine defenders. Uh, average citizens are worried for their safety, but also angry and defiant. Uh, he also indicates that despite the images we all see of people fleeing the country, the vast majority of Ukrainians are staying put. Uh, internet access is still fine, though patchy, and Ukrainians can and are reading and seeing all of the support from around the world, and that it's a source of great comfort to them, and that every Ukrainian that he's spoken to knows the world is with them. So, yeah, it's good. So, I'm sorry for making fun of the little flag emoji that you put next to your username. You're helping. And and the and I'm not. And the Putin's mom lady helped, too. Yes, she did. They all needed a laugh. They loved that over it, it. It didn't kill over here. People were confused by it, but in Ukraine, they were like, "Yes, she's right." I wish she had she been. She is his there, mom. David Hasselhoff dancing on the wall. Yeah, she. Yeah. Is. <laughs> she will be arriving she by plane to Ukraine yeah. when this is all about, like, right before it's about to end. There she is. She's gonna put a, a flower into the gun. Yeah. Um. So we're all looking forward to that, of course. And I love that anytime, anytime anything bad happens now in America, it's always just like. If I was this person's mother. Yeah. I wish I was your mother. Yeah. Now, regarding the optimism from Ukraine for Ukraine holding their own against a military power like Russia, quote, hard to tell at this time. There seems little doubt that the invasion has been tougher than Russia expected, but some military analysts are cautioning against optimism. Russia has a lot more firepower at its disposal. But he added in another response further down the chain that, quote, it seems clear that the Russian military were unprepared for the ferocity and rigor of the Ukrainian response. And the Russians are up against an opponent that is brave and highly motivated. It also probably doesn't help that Russia may have had their plans exposed by their doofus neighbor and ally, Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko, who appears to have accidentally shared a map of Russia's invasion plans, which appeared to involve an invasion uh, uh, in Moldova. Yeah, this map is pretty wild. This is like, it's like, several stages past where we are now like 
This is this is long term. And stuff. he's just like, here you go. Have a look, y'all. Yeah. Uh, here's some more from the Hill. Uh, Lukashenko, a close ally of Russian President Vladimir Putin, was reportedly addressing his Security Council Tuesday while standing in front of a battle map of Ukraine. The map appeared to show troop movement plans and infrastructure targets in Ukraine, as well as targets in Moldova's breakaway region of Transnistria. Some of the Russian lines of attack in the map have already taken place, while others are yet to occur, including an incursion into Moldova, a former Soviet country and Ukraine's neighbor to the south, from the port city of Odessa. So, <laughs> like, just comically dumb. Yeah, it's it's almost... It's almost like that's got to be a decoy map. No one would be that stupid, right? So all in all, it appears as though Putin vastly underestimated the international response to this invasion, overestimated the readiness, willingness, and resolve of his ground forces, while also overestimating the intelligence of his allies. Yeah. And so we, we hope that all this is the biggest mistake that Putin has ever made and that things can be resolved quickly with Putin falling completely off the world stage, returning to his home planet, Yes, and the apparently his home planet of Jupiter. Yeah, which the 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 vice uh or the 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 guy that asked like Elon the Musk, vice prime minister, yeah, yeah, of Ukraine was like, now yes. we all want to see Putin dead. We know that. Yeah, but what if we sent him to Jupiter instead? And it's like the website is like a Putin floating in a rocket ship. Yeah, and the donations they obviously don't go to send send Putin to uh, no, Jupiter just for aid. But it's for aid. But it's like such a weird. It is a like like okay, we got a little extra time to web design this and uh, plan out you know maybe some concepts. Get get a little high concept with it. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it, uh, it is. <laughs> it is strange. Yeah. Okay, aren't uh, you sure. in the middle of a war? Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the hopefully the Ukrainian people can sometime soon move on with their lives without the threat of a Russian invasion looming. Yeah. Um, it would be great if they could all go see Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in peace. I know. That's that's all I want for the world is for everyone to put down their guns, head to the nearest multiplex, grab a box of popcorn, and... Uh, Watch the Batman. Uh, an extra large Coca-Cola that has 3,000 calories in it, mm -hmm. and just sit back and watch Sonic the Hedgehog take on his new enemy. Knuckles. by Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, circling back to the leading uh, guy from our video today, Elon Musk. And we, we've spoken about the Twitter account that Musk is clearly not a fan of recently, an account that tracks the movement of his private jet. Musk had offered Jack Sweeney, the teenager who runs the profile, $5,000 to delete that account. Here's $5,000 to fuck off. Uh, Sweeney denied the offer, saying it was far too low and that he would only do it in exchange for a free Tesla instead, which apparently didn't happen. There was a company that offered him a, three, a free three-year lease on a Tesla, and he was like, no. This has to come from Elon, and it has to be no strings attached. Rivian should have given them one of their ugly-ass trucks. To do what? Keep tracking him? Uh, for Just for no reason? Yeah. Uh, anyways, Jack Sweeney has now taken his flight tracking uh, to the headlines once again by shifting his focus to tracking Russian oligarchs. Here's Insider with more. A new account called Russian Oligarch Jets has started tracking the whereabouts of some of Russia's wealthiest businessmen, posting when and where their aircraft takes off and lands. The automated feed posted its first tweet on Sunday after the U.S. sanctioned several members of Russian President Vladimir Putin's inner circle and pledged to hunt down and freeze their assets, including their yachts and mansions. Russian billionaires are still crisscrossing the globe on private jets and yachts, despite sanctions intended to financially cripple Russia's elite in retaliation for its invasion of Ukraine. CNBC reported Monday that some of Russia's wealthiest businessmen have started moving their mega yachts to Montenegro and the Maldives possibly in an effort to avoid them being seized or frozen. There you go. There was uh, there was one 
jet. It was like right when, so it, early on, a couple days ago, you could see it on this flight tracker. And then it gets almost to New York City. And then they immediately turn around because they found out that they would not be allowed back into European airspace. So it's like, if we go to New York, that's it. We're going to be there for... Apparently one landed in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, LAX, so... But yeah, it's just crazy. This jet just... <laughs> I'll turn this thing right around. Yeah. But let's lighten the mood I a little bit. I forgot the caveat. Yeah. Shit. Let's lighten the mood a little bit with that old reliable punching bag, non-fungible tokens. Mm. Now, hold on. Don't leave. This is a funny one. It's coverage of an attempt uh, where NFTs tried to cross over into real life, making it easier for normie adoption. And it also just failed spectacularly. Uh, over in New York City, a company has unveiled the world's first NFT ATM vending machine, which is as stupid and pointless as it sounds. NFTs are digital tokens, so there is literally no reason to physically go somewhere to buy one when your options are basically limitless when you're in front of a computer screen. But we get it, it's a marketing thing, and maybe it'll pique some investor interest or something. At the very least, it'll get some news outlet to write about it. And then, in theory, the NFTs inside that ATM will probably be valuable somehow because they were, uh, they're the NFTs from the ATM. Everybody knows about them now. Iconic, groundbreaking. it's, It's genius. Well, one thing did come true. A news outlet covered the NFT ATM, but things didn't really go as planned. Uh, Here's The Guardian with their headline, What did I just buy? I tried to use New York's first NFT vending machine. It's easy to miss the storefront that is home to the world's first NFT vending machine in Manhattan's financial district. Squished between a sandwich shop and a tailor, the windows are bathed in pink neon light with glowing letters that announce NFT ATM. When you walk through the entryway, you enter a tiny booth with the vending machine filled with rows of little paper cartons looking almost like cigarette packs. There are only two products, a color for $5.99 and a party pigeon uh, for $420.69. The article then talks Uh, about uh, just NFTs in general and then specifically the company who owns the ATM, Neon, but then returns to the actual process of physically buying one of these NFTs. I didn't think my editor would be thrilled with the pigeon, so I bought a color. This, it turns out, meant a piece of paper inside the carton with a randomly generated code that would allow me to mint an NFT, claiming ownership over one of 10,000 different colors. Neon co-founder Jordan Bernholtz tried to clarify, It's impossible to own a color. What you own is a ledger on the Solana blockchain that represents that particular color. And we allow people to collect those colors to trade them and sell them. As if buying a bag of Cheetos, I punched in my selection and tapped my credit card. The machine beeped. The metal coil began to turn, and then nothing. <laughs> my NFT, oh, what? My NFT was stuck. I banged on the glass, but it refused to drop. I noticed two security cameras watching me and felt self-conscious. Was I the first person in the world to lose money while physically buying an NFT? He dropped four twenty sixty nine. dollars No, he bought a color. It was $6. Oh, okay. So a cheap experiment, but uh, a failed experiment nonetheless so far. This, If this is the same color NFTs that I'm thinking of, like, it's just such a good example of these NFT crypto people not understanding how anything works. Because, like, the hype around it was, like, if you buy one of these NFTs, then anytime anyone buys any NFT that has that color, you get royalties from it. It's like, no one's going to agree to that. But the one That's thing not I, something that just is. I do love the honesty, though, from the, at least the CEOs. Just like, by the way, let me be clear. You don't, you own, don't actually own anything. <laughs> that would be stupid and, and impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he continues, without other options, I bought another one to push the first one off. Now I had the first one, but the second one wouldn't drop. 
I didn't want to keep buying them, so I left the second one there. I knew in my heart that I owned it, but I had no real way to prove it. <laughs> I told Neon's co-founder what happened. Quote, that sucks. I'm so sorry, he said. Vending machines remain, um, not perfect. He offered to send me a refund if I sent him an email with the approximate time I had made the purchase and the last four digits of my credit card number. There was another snag when I redeemed my prize. I scanned my QR code, which directed me to a website and told me to create an account on the Neon Marketplace. Then I had to enter a 12-digit sequence on my little slip of paper to mint my NFT. But instead of getting a color, based on a random six-digit hex code used by web designers, I got a five-digit string that resulted in a blank square. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, that's embarrassing. It sounds like you might have got a misprint, said Bernholtz. But maybe I suggested the flaw could make my NFT more desirable. Yeah, perhaps future generations will look upon your error in the same way they looked to numismatic errors with joy, he offered. Yeah, it's definitely going to be worth more. Yeah. Hey, you got the color white. Good for you. Now, now you own that color. See, the cool thing about this one is it's nothing. <laughs> it's actually a mistake. It's a mistake. And yeah. it's, the mistake is forever because it's on blockchain. Uh, the article ends with the author hanging around the ATM during lunchtime in the financial district of New York City where hundreds of people walked by. And he said that only one person ever stopped to look at the NFT ATM. To look at it. <laughs> Their reaction? Taking a photo of the vending machine and uttering, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> they probably sounded just like that. <laughs> so it doesn't look like this is going great. Though the company that owns it says they are expanding to other markets, including LA. Oh, so baby. We'll have to check it out when it's here, right? Yeah. Well, unless it's on the west side. Yeah. Uh, and it, never... prob it probably will be on like Venice Beach. or so. Although, actually... Maybe not. Maybe not, because Venice Beach is, uh, even the rich people are scared of it now. Well, uh, it's a humanitarian crisis, but at least the rich are afraid. Yeah. Um, I would assume, like, uh, the Promenade, Santa Monica. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Or inside the Crypto.com arena. The Glendale Galleria. Yes, the Americana the Americana brand. At brand. Yes, there's, uh, there's so many options. West Side Pavilion. Yeah. Um, the Beverly Center. Uh... Uh, Fashion Square? Is that a mall here? No, that's Orlando. Fashion Island in Newport Beach. Oh, if we were talking about malls in New in uh, Orange County, you got... The Spectrum! South Coast Plaza. Put it in the Spectrum! Tustin Marketplace. The Block at Orange. Uh, Main Place, which actually it's called Westfield uh, Santa Ana now, but it used to be called Main Place. Um, uh, Spectrum down in Irvine. Uh, yeah, the Irvine Spectrum. Uh, there's so many malls. Southern California, what do we love? We love malls, folks. We, we love our malls, don't we? And now they're all going to get NFT. The ATMs. Del Amo Mall. Uh, Sherman Oaks Gallery. Uh, <laughs> 7th and 5th. Well, when I grew up, we had one <laughs> mall for each city, and they're all dead now. Yeah. So it wasn't as uh, vast as the options uh, no. here in L.A. But uh, anyways... Malls. Malls. We love our malls. We love our malls, don't we, folks? Also, while we were recording this, uh, Joe Biden, uh, Brandon, was doing the State of the Union, and I would assume that uh, it, it went... I don't know how he could possibly say that the State of the Union is good, but I don't think any president has ever admitted that the State of the Union is anything but strong. Uh, the 2020 midterms are going to be doomed for Democrats, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think Joe Biden was going to get elected president, but here we are. The so one, the I'm one thing that I'm actually business. positively surprised by is how immense and, and like the response to Putin has been. Because everyone just like, especially during the Trump presidency, everyone just kind of like, I mean, he was chummy with him. Yeah. So just you know. No, it's great. I would, I would, I would love if 
everyone in America who's mad about what Vladimir Putin is doing to go a step further and reflect on other invasions of other countries that yes. have happened in recent decades and reflect on, um, you know, how these things really aren't all that different. And it's just, it's just generally bad yes. to uh, invade other countries and kill innocent people. It's uh, bad no matter where you do See it. See the Condoleezza Rice clip from Fox Shut News? the fuck up. <laughs> I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. <laughs> Hillary Clinton, too. She's, uh, she's like, oh, yeah, Russia tried invading Afghanistan once and that didn't go so well. It's like, you were the Secretary of State for like, Five years of the, uh, or more than that, of the <laughs> Afghanistan war. Yeah. And I don't remember you doing a, anything to stop that. So it's weird that you're criticizing Russia for invading Afghanistan. Though, though the Ukrainian conflict has brought uh, people together from both sides of the political spectrum, unless you are in Nick Fuentes' orbit, who had his little rally outside of the CPAC. America first. Uh, yeah, with, uh, he's, he keeps... You see, Mitt, Mitt Romney was like, I'm surrounded by morons. Yeah, you do got to feel... The tiniest bit bad for Mitt Romney. <laughs> he was right all along. Well, man. And even the libs laughed at him. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. Mitt Romney and Elon Musk. You do got to hand it to him. You got to hand it to <laughs> him. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's it for today's episode. Please watch the most recent episode of Weekly Weird News if you want to see a bunch of people freak out on flight attendants. And also in the latest episode of News Dump. Check both of those out. We'll be back with some tech news. Um, hey, try to keep your head up. It's March. We made it to March. Yeah, it's something. Pay your rent. <laughs> the rent's too. All right, bye. Bye.